0: On this episode of Why Watch That, All Dave that Chase. <laughs> uh, don't even say that is
1: that is the most ridiculous thing ever. Many saints in
0: New York, New work, sorry, New York,
1: Newark, should not be seen at the theater. Stop it. It barely should be seen at home. He's a very corpulent man, so you're not going to go. Oh, that's Stellan Skarsgård. You're going to go. Oh wait. Oh, so he has this technology where he levitates. He hovers. I'm gonna tell you, the first time that man hovered in this movie, it took my breath away. And not not like, oh, it was beautiful, but oh, I was horrified in the best way possible. But I'll tell you this, when Claire sees her cooking them yams, she gets excited. Does the <laughs> housekeeper get excited about it too? She's like, look, it's butter and some sugar. It is
0: simple. They talk like this, well, hello. You know, I never thought that, kind of the breathy. You know how they talk back. <laughs> So, Critic, are you going to buy me a coffee? Maybe. Oh, why watch that first look. It is so. Oh. It is so. <laughs> well, I'm only I'm saying I'm getting that. scared. <laughs> you should be. <laughs> the amount of anticipation built up in the whole world For this movie to finally come to fruition and be released, it is so. It is so. Listen, we're talking about the new movie, Dune. Oh my gosh. I mean, if we remember sometime last year, this thing was supposed to, you know, get cranked out and we were supposed to see something. And then, um, you know, what happened happened and is happening. So HBO Max, as we all know, I kind of don't have to remind you, but I'm going to anyway, just in case you are new to the HBO Max world. Remember, for the entire year of 2020, and who knows how long they're going to do this? I mean, they may do Select in the future. I don't know. But HBO Max has decided that every major release in 2020 actually... 2019 tail end starting with Wonder Woman they have decided to release their movies simultaneously as they're released in the theater now remember we know one director early on was very upset about that and that was Christopher Nolan whoa 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 Mm -hmm. very upset and they released it in the theater and you know quite frankly his movie didn't do quite as well as it normally would have done oh it didn't (laughs) No. So it was no inception. But what you can do right now is you can subscribe to HBO Max. And as soon as one of their movies comes out, you can watch it right then. And Dune was one of those movies highly anticipated. I'm quite sure anyone who was kind of waiting around for Dune and Mm. loved The Sopranos, (laughs) I'm (laughs) sure they did their subscription now. Here's the deal. Everybody and their mom is in this thing. But before we get into that, <laughs> before we get into that, Dennis um, Villeneuve is now. If you remember, you remember Sicario, right? Mm-hmm. The director, that director, mm. really, um, very much a person who is visionary and very smart. He's yes. very, very, very smart. And An auteur. And, 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 Yes, he's intentional though. It's, he's, oh. he's not just flexing his muscles. He's very intentional. I remember watching the making of Sicario and I was just blown away, blown away. Well, anyway, he's, he's back at it again as director. He also helped write it along with Eric Roth and John um, Pites? Pates. Um, this is based on a novel by Frank Herbert. Now, for me... I was not into this world. I -hmm. didn't know the extent of Dune. We're talking about like six books deep from Frank himself. And Mm -hmm. then as we were discussing, his son has taken it and keep, you know, it's running with it. And now we finally have this generation's first feature of Mm -hmm. it. It sounds like it should be a TV show, but you know, the budget... Could mm-hmm. probably not cover that. Who oh, they didn't?
1: are doing a TV show.
0: Oh well, they should. But yeah. what, is it from the world of the features?
1: It is. So it because Smart. the yeah the Benny Jesurit, which I'll get into. They will be having their own show on HBO Max.
0: See that makes sense because of the amount of books. Now we were talking offline. We don't want a Peter Jackson this thing and milk <laughs> <laughs> like one book and extended into three movies. That's going to be not quite as exciting. So it's good to know that they are extending it into another media medium. Who's in this? Okay. Who's not? That? That's actually, <laughs> just think of an act. Meryl Streep is not in this. And right. It doesn't mean she won't be. It's just that she's not in this one. <laughs> She'll end up in there, I'm sure. Timothy <sighs> Chalamet. Okay. You know. He's French. I'm going to say it that way. Yes. And he is what well, he pronounced that way, but not everybody does. Oh. He is um, starring this thing. I mean, you've seen the posters. Come on. The the blue eyes and stuff. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson, who's bouncing around between, you know, Mission Impossible and, and mm-hmm. this. Uh, and now she's coming into another franchise. Oscar Isaac, who literally is in every franchise. <laughs> Star Wars, X-Men, Dune. I mean, you can just... <laughs> Oscar Isaac is raking in the cash. Is he yeah. married? That's all I got to know. I got to ask him. <laughs> Josh Brolin, who also is dipping into <laughs> all kinds of franchises. I mean, oh. think about it. He did the, uh, the Marvel series, uh, the Avengers. Yeah. Uh, excuse me. Excuse me. He also... It was cable in in, yeah. um, in uh, Deadpool, yeah. and now he's in this. I mean, come on,
1: let's just and remember when Josh Brolin was out of work because he was a, yes. you know, he was a, a child actor, and then um, yes. he and Diane Lane all of a sudden at the same time essentially got their careers back. Aren't we so lucky that that happened? We are
0: absolutely lucky. And just a little tidbit about um, Josh: he was a rancher. Okay. I don't know if you knew that or not. He has. Like a, he, he did a, a Daniel Day-Lewis and Daniel Day-Lewis went off and went to be a, a carpenter. <laughs> or, and, and Josh was like, I'm going to be a rancher. Mm. Um, by the way, his stepmom is Barb Streisand. Just saying what a wonderful family oh. that must be. Especially during the holidays around the piano. Uh, Stellan Skarsgård. <laughs> scars now remember, the Skarsgårds just... You know, these are people mm-hmm. that I'm sure are lovely people, but some of those, <laughs> some of that family, I think I would cross the street because they really do a good <laughs> job playing bad guys. I'm not kidding. Yeah. Um, Dave Batista, who also was dipping in all kinds of franchises, both TV, yeah, yes. see, second season, and mm-hmm. also, you know, obviously, uh, we all know, you know, the Marvel universe. Um, and then on and on, Zendaya's, she's dipping all over, um, everywhere. Charlotte Rampling, who just probably doesn't read the script. She just reads her lines and does an amazing job. Jason uh, Momoa, who also is dipping all over franchises, and Javier Bardem. What a cast. Now, enough of me. You Mm. saw it. You read the books, at least Frank's books. You are well versed in this universe. And here's my challenge to you, Critic. Hmm. it's almost November. Oh. Theaters are opening up. Families are gathering. Do we see this movie? Not you. Uh-huh. Do we see this mm-hmm. movie? In the, do we pay our, I don't even know how much it is, probably $15, $16, $17 by now.
1: Yeah. Well, maybe they we, discounted it.
0: Maybe. Do we venture mm-hmm. out or convince us that we should watch it at home if we don't have an HBO Max subscription. Go. Oh, and that's an HBO Max subscription, by
1: the way, with no ads. So keep that in mind, everybody. If you get it with ads, you do not have access to the features. Uh, Also keep in mind in theaters, mm -hmm. also keep in mind in theaters, if you have enough people, you can rent your own screening room. So we can throw that into the mix. Also, Mr. Denis Villeneuve, he wasn't happy about this whole thing simultaneous on HBO Max either. He wants you to be in a theater to see it. That's how he made it. Okay.
0: They all say that.
1: They all say it. And when you said said it, he did. (laughs) And I perk up and go, "Well, you better, you better uh, back up what you said, Christopher." Now, with all Dave Chase. Oh, don't even say that is that is the most ridiculous thing ever. Many saints in New York, Newark, sorry, New York, Newark, should not be seen at the theater. Stop it. It barely should be seen at home. Oh, okay. Anyway.
0: Well, we digress. Anyway,
1: so Dune is mainly set on a planet, and this planet is Arrakis. Now, you've got to think star wars like stuff okay but this was written in the 60s oh. keep this in mind okay it is this inspired before.
0: star wars
1: of course it did okay, it inspired we, a whole bunch of stuff the matrix will you and so on. treat us
0: like we don't we're not a, yes you, you, you dive deep into sci-fi world and mm-hmm. some of us don't so yes help so, us out
1: So, of course, there's this intergalactic thing. Humans can travel the different planets and so on and so forth. But the way they do it is via this spice. And the spice needs to be harvested on Arrakis in the desert. Dune is the title. Yes. Now, the spice is also sacred to a group of people called the Fremen. They live in the desert. And they know all of the desert's secrets. Because that desert is very dangerous. There are sandworms. Mm. Now, these are huge. Okay? Like, if you move the wrong way, the worm is coming and it will swallow you and everything around you.
0: Oh, my gosh. Reminds me of Mandalorian. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. Again. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So... It's sacred to the Fremen. How is it harvested? So they've got to go in and get it. Do they have to, you know, do certain things to the Fremen to get it? Because this spice for the Fremen, it is a drug. It gives them hallucinations. And it has a way of preserving their health. Okay. So what we have... Timothy Chalamet plays Paul Atreides. His father is the Duke, played by Oscar Isaac. And his mother is Lady Jessica, who is the Duke's partner, not wife. Okay. Now, he, in the movie, is recently tasked with taking over the planet Arrakis, governing it by the emperor, Timothy Chalamet's character. Oscar Isaac's character. The Duke. I, okay, 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 the Duke. The Duke. So the Duke now must govern all of Arrakis. So this means he has to be in charge of harvesting the spice. Mm-hmm. They gotta go to the desert, baby. Now the problem is, why would the emperor all of a sudden ask him to do this? Because mm-hmm. there is a rival, Baron Harkov, played by Stellan Skarsgård. Uh oh. And do you think the Baron is happy about not governing Arrakis?
0: About oh, it going
1: you, to the Duke? If you can govern Arrakis, then you can control a lot of things. Exactly. And the Baron ain't no fool. Mm. So, what is the Emperor up to putting the Duke in this situation? Is there a CON spiracy? Now, the Atreides have to go to <laughs> the Atreides have to go to the <laughs> desert. And they've got to supervise this spice harvesting. Now, going along with them in their entourage are several people, uh, one of whom is played by Josh Brolin, Gurney Halleck, the weapons master. And mm-hmm. he trains Paul, that's Timothy's character, how to fight, okay. protect himself, mm-hmm. and so on. There's also Jason Momoa's character, Duncan, who's the sword master. Ooh, yes. And Paul loves him. Loves the Swordmaster. Also, Stephen McKinley Henderson plays a character who you'll find out who he is. Okay. Very interesting casting. It's, it's interesting to see Stephen and devs and now this. It's just... I'm just loving what they're doing with Steven. Okay. So they're all going. What is Baron Harkonnen doing? Now, Dave Bautista plays the Baron's nephew. And he's chomping at the bit for a fight.
0: Of course. Baron is
1: very smart. Now, picture the Baron this way, everybody. He's a very corpulent man. (laughs) So you're not going to go, oh, that's Stellan Skarsgård. You're going to go, oh, wait, oh, that's Stellan Skarsgård and he is so corpulent that he can't handle his own weight his bones he can't walk so he has this technology where he levitates he hovers i'm going to tell you the first time that man hovered in this movie it took my breath away and not not like oh it was beautiful but oh i was horrified in the
0: best way possible oh my gosh it reminds me of that creature in um in the avengers that hovering mm. thing and, it ain't well, hover like this. Too. It, oh.
1: Nobody hovers this like this.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: So the Baron is like, I can't let these Atreides get away with this. You know, I know what the Emperor is up to, but I have my own interests. Now, here's a complicating factor Lady Jessica, Paul's mother, partner to the Duke. Is also a member of the Benny Jesseret. Was talking about they get their own TV show. The Benny Jesseret are a group of women with powers. Some may call them witches. Mm. One of the powers they have that they wield is the voice. If you are trained in the voice, you can make someone do whatever you want them to do against their will. Okay. It's a certain pitch a certain tone, and a certain kind of uh,
0: okay,
1: that allows you to do it. Now, the lady has been training Paul in the Bene Gesserit ways. Paul is not a woman. So there is the Reverend Mother of the Bene Gesserit, played by Charlotte Rampling. Of course. Shrouded and all. And she catches whiff of this and comes to inspect Paul. What does that mean? I'll tell you this, it terrifies Lady Jessica.
0: Who's La- Lady Jessica's Rebecca
1: Ferguson? Rebecca Ferguson. Okay, we, Okay. So this inspection happens because there is a prophecy. There's a prophecy that a son and a mother come into the desert for what purpose? To be a savior? What does that mean? And what is a prophecy exactly? Is a prophecy something that literally predicts what's going to happen regardless of the prophecy? Or is it engineered? Hmm. And what do the Bene Gesserit have to do with that? Now, can you trust the Bene Gesserit? They have their own interests in mind. Do they have allegiances outside of themselves? So they get to the desert. They have to deal with, of course, uh, the spice and so on. They have to deal with attacks from the outside. I won't tell you how that shows up. And they have to deal with, I talked about the Harkonnens, but also the emperor. And the emperor has an emissary, played by Sharon Duncan Brewster, the imperial ecologist. Okay, Mm. so what does she know? And what can she reveal? When you know what hits the fan, what happens? Because they are attacked. And can the Fremen help them? Because the Fremen believe this prophecy about this son and this mother. Is that Paul? If so, what are they going to do? Hmm. Now, all of this in Dune is a setup. Because... Paul has visions. And there is one character in particular who appears in his visions. He doesn't know who this person is. And that character is played by Zendaya Chani. Now, Chani is a Fremen. He's seeing her. He doesn't know what he's looking at. He doesn't know who she is. And by the end of the movie, they do meet. How? Because Paul has to prove himself to the Fremen. What does that mean? And it is a life or death thing for he or for him and his mother. Now, watching this, I said to myself, Ref, you know, Villeneuve, he learned from Blade Runner 2049. He learned from that. Villeneuve, as you were were saying, very smart, very intentional. Intentional. He, he puts his stamp on his movies. There's a certain pace. There's a certain flow. You know a Villeneuve movie when you're watching it. Sometimes the pace needs a little bit of a kick. Like Blade Runner 2049. You probably need to move a little faster. He likes space. He, he likes, likes space. And you have that intentional pacing here, but it worked for me. Oh it worked for me. I have to say, my explanation, you might be going, what is the critic talking about? I have, I've read these books in my twenties. So I don't remember them exactly. So, which is good because I was watching it, I followed everything. It was very clear to me what was happening, even if I didn't, or if someone watching it wouldn't know exactly everything, you know what everybody's going after. The main storyline is very clear, very clear. It's an opera. That's what this is. So if you're thinking Star Wars, that kind of pacing, that kind of fun, this ain't it. It is Baroque drama. That's what you're getting here. Mm-hmm. So this is what I want you to think about, everybody, because these are the movies that came to me periodically watching do. Mad Max, especially Fury Road, You're mm-hmm. in the Sand, all of that stuff. Game of Thrones comes to mind, of course, mm-hmm. with the chess playing of people moving, all of this. But this didn't frustrate me like Game of Thrones. Don't even get me started. Mm-hmm. I mentioned The Matrix because yep. you have Paul, you have the prophecy. What does this mean? You have Charney. Also coming to mind was Alien. Some of it looked like Alien. Yes. And you know the pacing of the original Alien, that kind of thing. So when you get to like the Baron, I got Alien. In the best way possible. Even on Apple TV Plus. Foundation. Okay. But this is better than Foundation. It's not even close. I hope so. And then I spent to Star Wars. But here's the movie I want you to think about. Another one directed about Villeneuve, Arrival.
0: Okay. Okay. All right.
1: Arrival will probably be your clue to Doom. How you'll feel. Not okay. that they are. Not that they are similar. But that feel of arrival is probably the closest that I would say for
0: this that's that is a good um, marker because the critics are not wild about dune mm-hmm. but um, but they weren't wild about arrival either exactly so and you were you enjoyed that very much okay okay
1: exactly exactly and this is not for most people. You have to like your sci-fi in the way I'm saying. Mm-hmm. You have to like it thick
0: and operatic, like, inter- mm-hmm. interstellar instead of yeah. you know mm-hmm. Inception. So you you have to divide up the kind of thrill of sci-fi and fantastical things. So inter- exactly,
1: yeah. okay. If Interstellar made sense, right. <laughs> Well, it did, to, it did to some people, so... I like Interstellar, but this mm-hmm. is much clearer. Um, yeah. It was casted very carefully. Very carefully. Everybody's in the position for a reason. Javier Bardem is the leader of the Fremen. Why would you cast Javier Bardem in that role? You'll see. Because when he enters, you're paying attention. And when he enters the first time it talks to house atreides they are paying attention it is very intentional what is going on here if you are a cindaya fan this is not her movie i'm gonna tell you that again because they're marketing good it, like to know. it is.
0: yes they are
1: it is not and it is it is not because of where we are in the books okay she's there there's a reason why she signed on by the way Mm -hmm. because the question Mm -hmm. is where are we going next? How many of these books are they going to do is my question because it is like when you when we saw the first Lord of the Rings and you get to the end and you're like oh what's next? Mm -hmm. It's the same kind of thing. So if we're thinking about the theater that question Yes. If I wanted to go to a theater would this be a movie I would see in a theater? Yes. So Villeneuve is absolutely uh, he's absolutely earned in my opinion, the right to say, "Hey, I'd like you to see this in a the theater," he's right. earned that because the grandeur you're going to get in a theater.
0: But the flip side,
1: th- there is, is a flip.
0: The flip side is you named a rival as its best companion as far as Dennis's work.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That doesn't always work in the theater for everybody. So caution from someone who hasn't seen it. But knows his work. I have to raise a flag of caution because you have a different appetite than most sci or most um average sci-fi folks. You you tolerate you have a, you have a greater tolerance. If At, it's good. Yeah,
1: exactly. And I'm not finished, so let's see. So it's the grandeur in the theater, right, Ref? Now let's pick up what you're saying. My question, though, is in a theater. Will it be as intimate? Will you get the sensitivity of it? Mm -hmm. I think it's going to depend on not only the way you take this kind of sci-fi, but also your comfort level in a theater. Mm -hmm. How willing are you to just go and to be patient in a theater? For me, I can imagine myself being sort of distracted in the theater watching this. Well, it's two hours and 35 minutes.
0: That's it is.
1: Yeah. beefy. I just, I don't know if I would be as absorbed. I would be, I would be beholden to the images on the screen. But would it be as intimate for me? Would I really be able to get into its innards? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like the I shoulder.
1: Because <laughs> mm-hmm. there is a power to the sensitivity of this along with everything else I said. So this is what I would say. This is. Definitely the start of something for viewers with a particular kind of taste. It is for me. I watched it with my brother. He wants to see it again. I do as well. He actually started watching it again because sometimes he watches things before he goes to bed. And he was like, actually watching it again? Something about the movie. It disturbed my sleep. And it's not even that it's necessarily scary, it's just the the full picture of it, the the thoughtful uh, special effects. I mean, the, like even the way that their um their their uh what would aircraft move. Some of them are like insects. The way they move. like the the thoughts behind all of this. The mm-hmm. vision is so clear that it could creep under your skin if it's for you. So just be careful, everybody. And you could do this if you have an HBO Max subscription. You could check it out a bit on HBO Max if you're thinking about should I go to a theater. See whether you go, oh, I'd rather see this on a big screen. If you feel that way, stop it, go watch it. Maybe rent out a screening room if that makes you feel more comfortable. I think though, however you watch it, it's a success.
0: Well, here you go. This is this is, you know, you got to you got to weigh it out. If you decide to rent out a, a movie theater, at um, some places, it was costing $100. Some places, it was $150, $250, uh, or $200, excuse me. And mm-hmm. you divide that up with the right amount of people. Interesting. Right. However, if you go by yourself, or with a date, or with a couple of people, you have to assess your comfort level. Flip side! <laughs> HBO Max for a month. Think of all the things you could get just for for whatever, how much it is just for a month, not only will you get Dune, but you'll also get everything that HBO Max entails. So you really have to weigh that out. But regardless, Dune is a very particular, it sounds a very particular sci-fi experience. If you're into sci-fi, if you're really into it, there's no reason why you shouldn't watch this. You really Mm -hmm. need to watch it. However, if you have a certain taste, maybe take the critics advice if you have hbo max already and you wanted to see it in the theater why not just dip in just a little bit see if this is something i'm sure by your description in the first 10 minutes you'll know if this is something you want to pause and mm-hmm. pick it up in the theater or if you just want to sit yourself at home and watch it that way regardless you're gonna to have to make a quick decision because it's not going to be on hbo max for very long Why watch that sneak peek? The critic and I got a chance to see a sneak peek of the new movie passing which we have been biting at the teeth mm. uh, to watch. I know for me I have it's been around for a while mm. uh, kind of floating um, and I remember when I first saw it on Tessa Thompson's I am uh, DB Page. I was super excited with, you know, the con with the concept of it. And finally at Sundance, which is as we are recording, we are currently attending virtually Sundance premiered it. And Rebecca Hall, who is we probably you probably know you will. You do know Rebecca as an actress. Yeah. Um, She was in that uh, that third Iron Man. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Remember that third Iron Man she was
1: in? <laughs> You would go right there, wouldn't you? <laughs> I, you know, I had
0: to. But more, more. she's in the, the town and the prestige. I mean, she's all over the place. Yeah. And um, very well known to um, many of us. She wrote it. She directed it. But it was based on um, Nella Larson's novella. And to be honest with you, I had never heard or read um miss larson's novella and passing the term is really about if and how a black person who is very fair having european features can pass as white so we've got some interesting concepts here who do you get to place this how do you, who do you cast to do this well we've got tessa thompson who we know she's biracial, but Tessa Thompson's coming in with her low brim hat. Um, yes, playing in this um, opposite of Ruth Nega. Mm. and I said her name Negga. Mm-hmm. Um, Ruth Andre Holland is also in it. Yes, Bill Camp. Hello, is it in it and Alexander Skarsgård, which I I really need him to stop playing the abusive crappy husband i mean you you really need to move on from that alexander cuz you're creepy i would definitely cross the street um to the other side <laughs> after watching <laughs> big little lies i am so cross <sighs> the street I, although i'm sure you're a very kind man so you have a cast i mean really critic yeah. all of these people at one point Either was or could be nominated at any point in their career. I mean, they're mm-hmm. strong actors, and Rebecca Hall herself is a strong actress. So the question then becomes: Did all of that talent translate in moving a type of this type of story forward for us? Did it really grab us um, for this modern time? I think we're going to answer that uh, in the next couple of minutes. So why don't you walk us through the plot and see what's going on here?
1: Yeah, it, it's the 1920s. Um, and at the opening, we see Tessa playing Irene or Irene. Mm. And you don't quite know, but you can sense that it's not safe. It's very hot. We are in New York City. She's in a shop. Before that, we hear people talking, I won't tell you whom. We hear him talking leading up to her being in the shop. And she goes to buy something. She's talking to the the clerk. It's just something's up. She exits the store. We see something happen because of the heat. She has to get in a little cabbie at the time and get away. And she goes to a restaurant, a, a cafe, whatever. And she's looking at white people. And there is a Should woman Should she be there. there? Should she be there? Because
0: uh, it's a hotel. It yes. Yeah.
1: You know, and she's there. And like you said, she's got that hat down. Down. Yes, she and does. you get too close, she's going to be looking like, you better back up a bit. And there's a woman directly across from her. Husband leaves her. This woman sees her. She looks back. The woman seems to know her. Mm. Walks across. This woman's played by Ruth Negga. And her name is Claire. And we find that Claire and Rini know each other. Ooh. Do they want to okay. know each other? Oh. Uh, oh. Oh. Okay. Mm. Now, Claire is passing as white. Me.
0: Oh.
1: Okay. Her husband is white. She got a daughter. Daughter is white. Do they know? Do, do they know? And the husband is played by Alexander Skarsgard.
0: <laughs> in, a, in a, some kind of weird mustache wig. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. So she is passing for real in life. Mm. Now they have lived in Chicago for quite some time, but they're about to come to New York. So, <clears throat> you know, Renie is kind of like, okay. Now Claire wants to be back in Renie's life. They knew each other when they were kids. How did that go? And so on. But does Rini want Claire in Rini's life? Mm. Well, I'm going to tell you this. She ain't got a choice because Claire's just going to show up to her house in Harlem. I mean, come on. In Harlem.
0: As a past woman. A, a Passing woman.
1: Uh-huh. Okay. Walking up the steps of the brownstone. Okay. So we see that happen. now Rini has two sons and a husband played by Andre Holland. So she only passes occasionally when she needs to. So this is not who she is. She got a black husband and black kids and she's black. kids
0: were way too dark for (laughs) this.
1: Well, you know, you you know, who knows what the G's. (laughs) (laughs) Now look, they also have a housekeeper who, you know, you'll see what that is like. But I'll tell you this, when Claire sees her cooking them yams, she gets excited. (laughs) Does the <laughs> housekeeper get excited about it, too? She's like, look, it's butter and some sugar. It is simple. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so that is the tableau, okay, that Claire is just going to burst her way into. Now, how does she discombobulate everybody is the real question. Because the thing about Claire is, Claire is like coquettish and out there and bold. Whoa. I mean, she is ready to bob her hair and everything else. Whereas renee is completely different. renee is furtive. She is standoffish. She thinks. She listens. She wants everybody to be calm. Husband, don't tell the kids about being Black in this country. Don't do it. That is her. So that, that should be combustible, these two personalities. And it is. Because as the movie progresses, as Claire just finds her way into renee's life, she even tells... Claire tells Rini in one scene, essentially, don't trust me. I mean, that she could have just worn a placard.
0: Real clear.
1: Yeah. Now, don't trust her how, in what kind of way? Because there there are opportunities for them to go out. They go out and they meet Bill Camp, for instance. He's playing Hugh. You'll see what that's about. You'll see how he plays a role. And in the end, you'll see what happens.
0: Mm.
1: What does passing really mean here and what's the cost because for oh, these
0: interesting yeah huh.
1: mm. oh because for these two women it's almost like one of them wants to be the other yeah so is it if you're passing for white is it really all that you wanted it to be is there something you have to leave behind and is that cost too big of a cost oh boy
0: yeah. That's a lot.
1: It's a lot. So would you like to review first or would you like me to I'm
0: gonna go? I'm going to go. I love that the play of the title, I hadn't really thought about that. I thought it was basically just race related. But I think the what we didn't make clear and which the movie doesn't make clear. And I'm not sure if the novella makes clear. Is that Tessa Thompson's character in her reserved way, is also um, depressed. Mm -hmm. She is a depressed woman. And so when you get the ingredients of racial um, overtones and undertones and identity in your race... Identity in your sexuality. Mm -hmm. Identity in your mental health. Identity in light versus dark skin within Mm -hmm. the community. I mean, you could literally just pile it on. I think for me, passing had so many topics to tackle. Mm -hmm. And it's a period piece. And it's in black and white. Four-three
1: aspect ratio. Yes,
0: it was so many things that Rebecca Hall was tackling in this movie that I honestly didn't know where to focus. I didn't know. I didn't know where to focus. I didn't I didn't feel drawn in to the characters because they had this um, affected black and white kind of... They talk like this. Well, hello. You know, I never thought that. Kind of the breathy. You know how they talk yeah. back in the black and white days. You know, just that yeah. kind of you know, it, there was there was a lot of distracting for me from the core of the story. Which to this moment, I don't know what the core of the story is. I was it was it a love affair I never realized? And what love affair are we talking about? Her husband? What what happened there? I mean, there's just so many many things that I I didn't get a clear um, viewpoint on. I do know that Bill Camp and Andre Holland. Did an outstanding job with what they were given. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed their performances. I I enjoyed Tessa Thompson and and Ruth Negga's um, interaction between each other. I think we mm-hmm. were talking offline, talking about when they didn't speak. Yeah. There was a lot of electricity. There was a lot of electricity between the two of them when things weren't spoken. And to piggyback what you were saying, the movie works when there's tension. Mm. The movie works best when there's immense tension and whatever that tension is, whether, like I said, any of those themes that I talked about, whether it's dealing with race or sexuality or mental health or relational um, or life and death situations like lynchings and things like that, it worked best when we weren't talking about it and there was actual tension. Yeah. and you just wanted to feel like oh my goodness what is going to happen next and then by the time you get to this event that happens that changes everything then we'll sort of feel like as an audience oh the impact is much deeper so for me passing you know there's imitation of life yeah you know watch that mm. if you like imitation of life I think this is a darker, you know, obviously hitting darker notes with this, especially by the time you add up all of the topics together. Yeah. Um, Is this something you need to run to see? I don't know. For me, I just never really connected Mm -hmm. with it. For some reason, I was held at a distance. But I don't think it's a bad thing to see. I don't think it's it's, it's something you must avoid at all costs. I just think that listeners, if you're going to take a leap of faith, and watch it, just be prepared to, I would say, be prepared to have more questions than you do answers. Don't try to figure out, what is this relationship about? Or, ooh, what's happening over here? Ooh, she dropped a hint. What's that? Just let it happen on screen, and I think you know, it'll be good for you. Now, technically-wise, I'll let you talk about that. There was black and white technical issues that didn't work for me, but at the end of the day, I, I, I think, should you pass on passing? I say, you know, if you've got enough, if your schedule is clear, you could check it out, but just be forewarned that it may not be quite what you expect it to be.
1: Yeah. You know, for me, Ref, the promise of the opening didn't play out. It didn't pan out the, the way I thought. Yeah. When it started, because we, again, watched this at Sundance. Right before I started this movie, I watched a movie that, I mean, your eyes would pop out of your sockets from crying. It was that kind of movie. We both did. So I went into this and I was like, like just because like you were saying, I think that, and Rebecca said this in the Q&A, that she wrote it at like 25, she was like 25 years old. Wow. And I think it was overwritten dialogue-wise. When you have Tessa Thompson and Ruth Nega, if you start filming the movie chronologically and you see them, I would say, okay, I need, if you don't mind, I need a day to cut this script because I don't need any of this. The opening moments that I talked about, I, it was electric. There was there was something going on. And I was like, what is going on? Tessa Thompson's breathing and the, the hat and all this stuff. Then she sees Ruth Negga, who's completely different, comes over and you're like, oh, it's like a clash. That is the movie. we don't need all the issues of lynching and what do you do with your kids and husbands and going out and whatever else you want to do
0: dancing and
1: (laughs) the two of them is enough and the thing is
0: we are smart
1: enough to know what this is about without you saying it I knew what it was about when Tessa Thompson was in that shop I didn't need it to be said later on I knew because I was like ref oh she is like passing, but she's not used to it in the acting, so that to me, um, was just a missed opportunity. But I will say, I was very interested from the beginning, then I was like, oh, Okay, I mean, I, I was, was fine, a, it was long, yeah, it was long. but I, it wasn't there wasn't a moment when I was like, Okay, let me turn it off, it was like, Okay, yeah. I'll finish this, but yeah. you know, and like you said, the resolution at the end, mm, yeah, mm.
0: yeah. Well, Passing is available to you. You'll be able to watch it. Uh, right now, we can't tell you how or what method, what uh, how to do that because we're, as of taping, still at Sundance. But we can say that if you decide to engage in it, it may be something better f- for you at home um, instead of entering out into the theater if you can watch it that way. Listen, it's film. If you need to get out and go see it, fine. Yeah. We did warn you.